Recorded live. Recorded live. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode of Political Straight Talk being simulcast on Ragtag Radio. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I am Fabian, also known as the Political Superman. The time, 10.07 on the East Coast, 7.07 on the Left Coast, and we want to welcome everybody. Tonight, we're going to be talking about an issue that is very important to me and one that I have recently had to do a reversal on, much to the delight of several people on this call. So, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to, our sponsors, we're not going to talk about sponsors on Political Straight Talk tonight because we are simulcasting. Um, just know that uh, we we are sponsored by a place that didn't invent the chicken, just the chicken sandwich, and that's all I can say. Make sure you visit them, have a number one with a lar- large size with a cherry Coke, you'll like it. Now, having said that, we've got a couple of guests with us. We're going to talk about charter schools, the voucher system. We're, we're kind of going to go into a mesh. Now, before we do that, those of you that have tuned in are going to find out that I'm allowing this conversation on political straight talk when I have spent years at the loudest part of my voice advocating for other choices with schools. And I did hear your point, Karen, and I'm going to address that. Uh, about school options, and one of the things that I had advocated for was charter schools. Well, I have since we had a conversation on Tuesday, have had to reverse myself. And I don't like to ever admit I was wrong, but I was wrong. And I think that charter schools and the voucher system, as they are trying to implement them across the country, is a mistake. And I think it's another way to get Islam and a liberal agenda in this country. It's being done right under our noses. It's being done in ways that you would not believe, from prayer rooms for Muslims and banning of the Bible to skirting uh, in Nashville. You've got five charter schools that are skirting the guidelines and the checks and balances that are in place. You've got teachers being fired for teachers that are not certified and can barely speak the English language, if at all. You have Title I services not being offered when they are required to be offered for those that have learning disabilities, ESLs, ESPs, and other things. Um, And from my perspective, that's a mistake. So what we're going to do is, uh, Karen, we're going to pretty well give you the floor and uh, <laughs> welcome. Oh, thanks Karen. a lot. Thanks a lot. No, no, no pressure. Or anything. What what I will do is 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 set the parameter for you, and you can go from there. Um, I will tell you, speaking for me, I'm not speaking for Ragtag on this one. Uh, I'm speaking for me. The you know I, I heard you say earlier when I was first getting everything set up that there are choices, and you are correct. There are choices. But my statement is this. Why should we continue to fund a public school system that is failing our children? Okay? And yes, I know about Common Core. I hate it. As a matter of fact, a little story before we get going. My nephew, Seth, came in today, and he had a math paper. And he's in the third grade, so they're starting the dreaded times tables. And he brings this paper to me, and he's like, Uncle Fabian, can you help? Well, sure. So I look at this paper, and I'm scratching my head. Because when I was in school, 3 times 7 was 21. Okay? But 
they want you to take this three times seven, and you have seven sets of three. If you have five sets of threes, how many sets of threes would you have to add to get blah, 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 blah? Anyway, it was complicated. I mean, it wasn't, you get the idea. For a third grade, it's going to be complicated. In the world I live in, 21 is 21. Whether you get there three times seven, seven times three, 20 plus one, it's still 21. And the way that some of this stuff is being done, I saw it in the reading, too. Um, It just amazes me. And, you know, I think we need to dump all of this and go back to the beginning. But that's what the great and wise Karen is here to talk about. So, uh, See, I thought I was just going to listen to a call, but that's okay. Oh, no. we Listen, we're not going to invite you on a call and expect you to sit by and do nothing. Shoot. <laughs> and if, if if Tammy just said you were going to listen to a call, she set you up. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, that's how, that's, how, that's how Tammy swings. We all know that. So, so and, and by the way, I, I, I have to let you all know, I got notification from the Southern Poverty Law Center today that they have received a complaint that my radio program is racist. Uh, uh-oh. Got it. it. I got it this afternoon well, at about know. 6. I don't know it. <laughs> I got it at about 6:30. So I sent them wow. a I sent them a letter back congratulating them and that I would consider it a badge of honor and put it on my program, but that calling a spade a spade, well maybe that wasn't the right word to use. Calling a heart a heart is not being racist. Telling people that are causing fight this this one little group, a NIFTA, a NAFTA, a NIFA, the one where the guy got shot in the midsection. Antifa. That's it, Antifa. Yeah. I got yeah. I, I got news for you. These groups, Black Lives Matter, the KKK, they all of them are the same. The only thing that's different is the color of the people that are in those organizations. And if, I'm proud of, if they I'm can't, proud to know you. If they can't <laughs> see that, then those people have the blinders on because all they want to talk about is love and peace and tolerance. Yeah, they want love if you love the same way they do. They want peace if yeah. that peace is to the detriment of those that have the same rights in the Constitution. And they want, uh, dude, what was my other one? I'm telling you my brain is fried today. Uh, they want all all harmony as long as you can criticize and downtrod others and get in their faces. And may I remind people, and then we're going to move on to education, but this is important. May I remind people that it was not the first group that was in that uh, hall that started everything or in that in that uh, rally. It wasn't the ones that started it. So... There's blame to go on both sides, and bigotry and hatred on either side is uncalled for because when God looks at us, he sees the human race, not black, white, red, blue, green. Although if there's a blue Smurf, I'd like to know. Anyway, <laughs> having said that, Karen, take us down the road. I guess kind of what we'll do is is do it this way. We'll do it in kind of a couple of parts. First, how has education gotten so dismal, number one? Well, I don't believe it ever was dismal. I think it's the typical Hegelian dialectic. You know, um, 
We create a problem, whether a problem really exists or not. We create a problem in the minds of the people, and then we come in with the solution. And I personally believe that's what happened. I mean, we had the greatest education system in the world. You know, we created some of the greatest minds in the world from our kitchen tables, from our public school system. And I believe that that system has been destroyed um, on purpose, but I also believe that a lot of it was not true. Uh, Nation at Risk, I believe, was not a, you know, it's, it's, it was a report created by who? You know, they could make it, you could make data say anything you want it to say. Yes. You know, yes. if you want something to look bad, you make the data look bad. If you want it to look good, you make the data look good. Um, you know, prior to the creation of the U.S. Department of Education in 1979, um, you know, we had a great education system. And ever since the federal government has gotten involved, it has gone completely down the toilet. So I believe it's all been di- by design. And, you know, to, to control a country, you control its children. And that's what this is all about. It's all about changing the values, beliefs, and behaviors and attitudes of our children in order to accept, I believe, what's coming down one day in the future for this country. And that would be? And what well, do you believe that would be? <laughs> I believe that, we're, that there has been a plan to move this country towards communism for decades. I agree. And, and the, the way and the way right and the way you do that is through the children. Well, if you look and at how schools, all of, mm-hmm, go ahead. Well, if you look at how schools are run today, look at just and those of you that are about to roll your eyes because I'm about to go on a diatribe about the supply list. Um, if you look at the supply lists and how they distribute those supplies, that is communism in its purest form. Those that have provide, mm-hmm. those that have not get what the others provide. Right. Yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, look at the trend in school. You know, everything is um, teaching children to be obedient, teaching children not to be aggressive. And, of course, their definition of aggressive is totally different than our definition of aggressive. You know, a child just being a child is today in the school system considered aggressive. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's taking these children, you know, this shut up, sit down and be quiet kind of an attitude with our children is, is teaching our children not to stand up for themselves, don't argue with people, don't debate, just basically sit down, be quiet and be obedient. And, and the, uh, the, the consensus type things that we see in school now you know, you're not, you can't have an individual thought. You have to bring the thought to the group and, and you know, get group consensus on, on, on certain things. So, you know, I just don't believe that there ever truly was a problem with education. I think that there is a problem now, that's for sure, because we believed there was a problem and we allowed them to come in with the fix. And again, this is what they call the Hegelian dialectic. And they've, they've used this tactic 
in many countries, societies, and in many situations. And I believe that's what happened here with education. Um, you know, can public education be fixed? Personally, I don't think it can. I think it is so far down the railroad track. Um, we've been asleep at the wheel for decades. We've allowed these people to lie to us and deceive us. And when ESSA came down the pike, I kept saying to people, they lied to you about race to the top. They lied to you about no child left behind. They lied to us about common core. I mean, the lies about common core are just unbelievable. And Tammy and everybody on this call knows how many times we were told, oh, the states created common core, until we proved them time and time again that they were lying and to the point that they had to shut up and stop saying it because, you know, I mean, they just couldn't validate it any further. Um, so, you know, so now they come along with ESSA. Oh, we're going to return Lamar Alexander, who has been pushing progressive education since the 80s. Since the 80s, the man has been pushing every progressive program down the road. And now he comes with ESSA with all these grandiose promises, and for, and for those that don't know what again. for those that don't know what ESSA is, will you tell them? Every Student Succeeds Act. It was passed in December of 2015. It was the reauthorization of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act. ESEA was a law passed in 1965. It was a 32-page law to give funding to the states to help poor children learn how to read. That's what ESEA was in 1965. And down the road, they have reauthorized it. Um, Goals 2000 was a reauthorization of it. No Child Left Behind was a reauthorization of ESEA. And ESSA was and is the most recent reauthorization. ESSA is 1,061 pages long. So we've gone from a 32-page bill in 1965 to help poor children read to a behemoth of 1,061 pages in 2015 that controls every aspect of education. And when this plan is fully implemented, I, I, you know, I'm even afraid, I mean, it, you will no longer have any authority over your children. Um, when, when, they were, when we had No Child Left Behind, they gave what they called ESA waivers. And I know probably anybody that's got kids in school right now, you know, there used to be a time when a child, a school was considered a Title I school if it had 40% poverty level in the school. They considered that a Title I school. With the ESEA waiver that was given under Race to the Top, our schools are now declared zero poverty rate in order to become a Title I school. So do you understand what that means? All students are considered Title I at this point. And eventually all students, that's what this personalized learning is all about that all students will eventually have an IEP. So you know, what's coming down the road, as bad as what you think this is, it's going to get a lot worse. It is going to get a lot worse. And parents are, oh, 
are just so thrilled with, oh, personalized learning and the computer and everything that's going to happen on the computer and you know, all this stuff that's coming down the road. What a charter school is today, a charter school is not going to be the same thing 10 years from now. And understand charter schools do not have elected school boards, right? Talk to the parents mm -hmm. in, in New Orleans and ask them how happy they are with the fact that all of their schools are charters now. Do people know that in order to rebuild, when they had Katrina hit New Orleans, in order for them to get federal funding to rebuild, one of the requirements was that they turned New Orleans into a charter school district. So they are now a charter school district. They have no elected school boards. And when parents go to the school to complain or they have an issue, you know what they're told? You don't like it? Send your kid to another school. So for all you parents out there that think your school boards are lousy and it's a, you know, we, we need to get rid of school boards and they're the problem and all, they're not the problem. Understand that your school board is your lowest form of elected representation. And they are trying to destroy that first level of elected representation and it's not going to stop there. The next will be your city council and your county commission and so forth and so on. So, you know, that's another issue with charter schools that you need to be aware of. There's no elected school boards. And once you get an entire district that's been converted to charter schools, you will have no elected representation. So now you have no choice. You also have no voice. So anyhow... I think I kind of exhausted that point. <laughs> okay, so with with the charter school, and we're we're going to stay on the whole charter school thing here for now, because number one, I'm with you. I think the public school system cannot be saved. I think it's done, and it's only a matter of time. Now, mm -hmm. up until Tuesday, well, more importantly, yesterday, I felt that an alternative was charter schools vouchers to go to different schools. Now, I don't feel that way because mm -hmm. of the constraints that's put on there. So here would be my question. And and we'll, if charter schools aren't the way to go, if vouchers aren't the way to go, in a perfect world, if Karen Bracken was queen of the world, what would education look like? Well, education would look like what it used to look like before we had public education. I personally believe that children should be educated at home. And I believe, you know, if, you, if you're if you a Christian and you read the Bible, that was what God's intention was, was for parents to bring up their children in the way they should go. And look at some of the greatest minds in the history of this country. They were educated at the kitchen table. So... That's my perfect world. Is that my realistic world? No, but that's my perfect world. And you asked me the question in Karen Bracken's perfect world, what would education look like? That's what it would look like. Um, and you look at most of your homeschool children today are academically way above your public school children. And, and it's because they're truly being educated. They're not being indoctrinated. They don't spend hours of the day prepping for a test, 
Um, you know, they don't spend hours of the day on ridiculous stuff about, you know, Susie has two mommies and Bobby has two daddies. Um, you know, they're truly educated. And you talk to any homeschool parent, they don't spend more than four hours a day teaching their children. So that would be my perfect world, my perfect solution. But in reality, it, it's, it's a very, very difficult question to answer because I don't see any valid alternatives out there right now. As long as the federal government is involved in education, you know, there's no hope. And now you have all of these fascist, corporate fascism taking place between all of these organizations, the Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates, the Walton Family Foundation, uh, Lumina, you know, all these different foundations are now in bed with the federal government and, and basically what you have are all of these corporations in bed with the federal government making a ton of money doing the dirty work for the government that the government can't step right out and do on its own. And, you know, I mean, just to talk about uh, Bill Gates, you know, people went, well, you know, why? First of all, Bill Gates sent his kids to private school. They didn't have Common Core, but he funded it and pushed it down our throats. And my my my, I always, why? Why is Bill Gates so involved in this? Why is Bill Gates spending so much money to do this? First of all, Bill Gates doesn't do anything, and none of these people do anything if there's not a profit margin in them for themselves. So that's number one. But if you all remember back in the late 1990s, the federal government was looking into Microsoft being a monopoly, and they wanted to break up the Microsoft company. Which they never did. happened, did it? Yeah, it did. Well, Microsoft was they didn't break up. up. Yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. They yes, they were. They were spin off. Wow. They spin off into three separate divisions. But yes, they were busted up because they were. You're talking about the software monopoly because their software wasn't coded to work on anything else except for their machines or PCs. Yeah, they they uh-huh. end up having to bust up. Well, I still, I still say that he was made an offer he could not refuse because that all happened around the early 2000s. And in 2003, George Bush reunited the United States with UNESCO. Uh, President Reagan had actually divorced, had pulled the United States out of UNESCO back in 1983, 84, and because of their anti-Western uh, communist affiliations. And George Bush reunited us in 2003, and Bill Gates signed an agreement with UNESCO in 2004 to deliver universal education with U- UNESCO writing the teacher syllabus. And so it, to me, it was all just very coincidental. That, and, I, and I believe that that monopoly issue was part of the deal. You know, we'll do this if you do this. So you've got all these corporations in bed with the federal government making a ton of money. I mean, you're talking about, you know, billions and billions of unimaginable amounts of money that people are going to make off of the education industry. You know, that should be stopped right now. We, We should not be allowing Bill Gates and the Walton Foundation and all of these billionaires to be buying education in this country. That should not be allowed. It should not be allowed. 
So, you know, getting rid of the U.S. Department of Education, you know, everybody thinks that's the answer. That'll never happen. Um, even if it does happen, all they're going to do is move whatever the Department of Education is doing into the other departments because the U Department of Labor, the Department of Defense, HHS, just about every federal organization has its fingers in education today. So yeah, sure, we'll shut the lights out on the Department of Education and all they'll do is just move whatever they're doing into the other federal agencies that are already writing education policy. So, you know, I, I'd still like to see it happen. What I'd like to see is all education, everything to do with education pulled out of DC. Nothing in any department in DC pertaining to education and return it truly to the states and the local school boards. That, you know, that would be a good start. I I am currently involved in a national group. We just started up officially about a month ago. And uh, we are going to have a national press release on September the 20th. We're going to have three press releases in Austin, Texas, Atlanta, Georgia, and Indianapolis, Indiana. And our goal is to we have 20 states on board with 20 state leaders. And I don't think that's bad for only being up and going for a month. And our goal is to repeal ESSA. Um, ESSA, if we do not repeal this bill, we have no hope, no hope whatsoever of saving education in our children and our country. The bill is so egregious, people have no idea how bad ESSA is. It codifies social and emotional learning. It is a mental health bill. It is not an education bill anymore. And it's and it codifies Common Core standards. So that's that's our mission. We're no longer even dealing with Common Core at a local level. There's no no sense in doing that. Um, you know, we're going to take this nationally and and hope that somehow if nothing else, will bring awareness to people nationally about, again, we were sold down the river. You know, you, you list, you're listening to the very same people that sold us down the river six other times since 1979. And, and the same people come along in 2015 and sell us down the river again, and we bought a ticket again. So... You know that you know we we fought no child left behind and and they brought us race to the top and now we've got ESSA and we have to fight ESSA so that's where we are we're also uh, part of our national organization is to restore FERPA um, FERPA F E R P A is the federal law that was created to protect the privacy and the personal information of our children. That law was gutted by President Obama. He did not take it to Congress because all he did was he wrote an executive order, uh, 12866, which changed, which changed the regulations of FERPA that now allow anybody, just about anybody, all they have to do is say, oh, I need this information for research purposes, and they can have your children's personal 
information without your knowledge and without your consent. And that includes biometric information as well. And this comes right from the change in the regulations. So what we're trying to do is repeal ESSA and restore FERPA back to the way it was before President Obama gutted it. And there was no congressional Mm -hmm. vote on this, nothing. It was an EO. He passed it. It was a done deal. And a lot of parents Mm -hmm. are not aware of that. You know, when you're, you look at all the bills they write in Tennessee and you look at the um, data, the, the, the data sharing and use uh, policy in the state of Tennessee, and it says, you know, oh, we follow FERPA. Well, yeah, of course you follow FERPA, but people don't understand that FERPA does not provide any protection for your children's personally identifiable information anymore. And it, it, there was when FERPA was prior to Obama's regulation changes, if they had to use your children's or they wanted to use your children's personally identifiable information, they could not do so without the parent's knowledge and informed consent. That is no longer the case. And they're they're giving, these people are coming in and taking your children's personally identifiable information, creating computer programs, creating curriculum, and making billions of dollars off of information they're getting for free. So, you know, uh, so that's what we're doing. We're, We're hoping to repeal ESSA and restore FERPA. So, okay. Thanks, God. So let's let's go back down the down the road here, and I, I want you to, because I'm going to come back to FERPA because that one's a big one for me. He, um, he did. At Bradford. Let's. Well, that explains that article. I, I understand. That explains to me why a lot of individuals are getting involved in uh, in this private, you know, charter school industry because there's a lot of money to be had, I guess. Oh, uh, starting fortune. to see that. Anyway, so okay. Fortune. Now let's let's back up and let's say okay. Parents don't like the public school system. We know we don't need to go to charter schools now, but a parent wants to send a child to a private school. That private school costs six thousand dollars. That parent can't afford six thousand dollars. Why can? Why would it be a bad idea? And this is going to get in Tammy's crawl, so I'll probably have to mute her, but. Uh, why can we not pull the $6,000 that's spent on a child per year in the public school system and use that same money already been allocated for education to allow that parent to send their child to public school or a private school? I I don't see any reason why you can't as long as there's no strings attached. And that's, that's the problem. You know, you figure right now today, what does it cost in the state of Tennessee to educate a child in the public school system? Is it like ten, eleven thousand dollars? It it depends based on the school system, but the average per child in this state, I, I did it all across all ninety five counties, is nine thousand four hundred and sixty dollars. Oh, we're pretty we're pretty good. There, most most states are a lot higher than that. Okay, so it's nine thousand uh, dollars a year to educate a child. So why don't why don't we just give parents the nine thousand dollars and let them decide what they want to do with that money themselves with no strings attached? 
Well, you know, they, and you can send your child to that private school or you can homeschool your child. And, and again, a lot of working parents homeschool their children. If you really want to homeschool your child, there are many ways to work out, um, you know, how to do that. But the problem with vouchers and the problem with, you know, money coming from the state and federal government there's always strings attached. And that's what makes vouchers bad. And it also always turns into another entitlement program. Now, I'm not talking... Okay, Tammy, hold on a second before you get going because I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. I don't mind telling you why you're wrong. Uh, let's, Let's back up. So let's say that the only requirement that I would say put on the money would be that it has to go towards education. Sure. That that would be my right. my primary thing. Right. That's that a, right. The only would be. And, that, and that's a given. And I I work with a group called Freedom Project Academy uh, out of Wisconsin. Dr. Duke Pesta, where and everybody that knows anything about Common Core knows Dr. Duke Pesta. And it is a teacher-led online accredited private school, and I I emphasize teacher-led. It is Christian classical education. There is no common core. There is no data collection. It is a wonderful, awesome program. It's $2,000 a year for the full program. So, you know, there are – now, they just ended their enrollment a couple – about a month ago for classes starting in September, and they had a sharp decline in registration from the state of California. And it so happens that the state of California passed a law. They would give any parent that is going to homeschool their children a stipend of $3,000 with the caveat, with the caveat that they cannot use that money for any kind of Christian religious-based program. Hmm. So because FPA is a Christian-based classical education program, the parents could not use the $3,000 to pay the FPA the $2,000 tuition. Now, there are some California parents that just said, forget it, you know, I love the education my child's getting, and I'll just forego the $3,000 and pay the tuition myself. But there were a lot of parents that took that money and enrolled their children in, a, in something else as far as homeschool was concerned other than FPA. So that's the kind of stuff, you know, you know the old saying, whoever pays the piper picks the tune. Right. And that's what we're up against. When you've got, they want a federal voucher program. And, and I talked about that earlier before the the broadcast was live. They want a federal voucher program. A federal voucher program will turn every private, religious, and homeschool program into the public school program that we see today. Charters are public schools. Charters are funded. They are funded with public dollars owned by private enterprises or private people, privately owned publicly funded 
that's, you know, so, and they have to abide by all the state and federal mandates. Well, they're supposed um, to. We're finding that they're not. Well, they're, they don't, right. They're supposed to, but they're also not, uh, they're not under the scrutiny that the public schools are. I mean, look at these schools. These charter schools all over the country are closing down every day. When was the last time you heard of a private school, you know, I mean, a public school opened on Friday and their doors shut and out of business on Monday? Well, you, know, the, you don't yeah. hear of that. The private, the public school can run in the red and can, the public schools aren't going to shut down like that. I mean, that's. Right. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. You just, you don't, you don't, you don't, that's one of the things that you don't experience in a, in a public school system. But. So anyhow, I mean, the thing is, is that the money the government has that it man, that it doles out for education comes from the taxpayer. I mean, they're not in the business of making money. They're just in the business of collecting money. So, you know, I don't have a problem with a, a program where parents say, hey, if you want to send your kid to a private school, problem is the public schools will probably go out of business. <laughs> you'd have people, you'd have people jumping ship left and right out of the public school, and maybe that's a good thing. You know, maybe that's a good thing. That's why I push homeschool because I figure if we could get twenty-five percent of the kids at a at a public school and into homeschool, the public school system would implode upon itself, and it needs to implode. It does. It needs to implode. So you know, again. And, and what's going to happen is if you are a parent and you are in total control of that money and you go to a private school and you pay out their money and they're not doing what you want them to do, you pull your kid out and, and, and now there's no longer um, that private school will eventually go out of business. So it's kind of like creating an, an environment of competition. Because this money is, is your money to spend the way you want to on the education program that you want to, and you, can't, you don't have the federal government coming down and saying, okay, Mr. Private School, if you take this particular person's $6,000, you have to abide by the rules and regulations that I set forward. So, you know, that's my problem with, with vouchers is, and, and, you know, you look at many, I don't know of any, foreign country that has a successful education program that has a voucher program. I don't think you'll find one. So, and, and charter schools, where did charter schools come from? In communist countries, charter schools are called contract schools. It's a concept that was born in, in, in communist countries. So, you know, Anyhow, that that's a, the very long answer to your to your very short question. Okay. What does Tammy think about it? T Tammy doesn't like the public money being taken out because she considers it an entitlement program. And no, it's that, not an entitlement program now, but it will certainly turn into one. Then, well, I think I mean, why why do you consider it an entitlement program? Because at some point somebody's going to be getting more than the other than them just divvying it, divvying it up. They'll have to give it up because they'll have to take something away from one to give to the other one because this one had a, a poor family and their childhood was awful. And I mean, it's just 
Well, I think, I mean, the question, the question was basically what would be the problem with somebody giving parents six thousand, let's just say it costs $9,000 a child in the state of Tennessee to educate that child in the public school system. If the government turned around and gave every parent that had a child in the school system $6,000, we'd be saving a heck of a lot of money on education, wouldn't we? We'd be saving oh, at least $3,000. And then $3, you could give it back property tax. Absolutely. Right. In theory, it's great. But and I believe, we, I, but I believe that money should also, that $6,000 could also be spent to pay for your your public school education. It doesn't have to just go to private. So you're going to give me $6,000. Now, I have a choice of where to go with that $6,000. I can go to the public school. I can go to the charter school. I can go to private, religious, or home school. But the thing is, is now you have true competition between these organizations because you control the money that's going to these organizations. Well, it would require them to put out a better product. Right. And if they're not creating a good product in the public school or the charter school or the private school, you're going to take your kid out, you're going to take your money, you're going to go somewhere else, and that that school is going to go out of business. That would, to me, incentivize true competition between the education systems, and that's the problem. And I also believe that if we do this, you, there's no more college loans. There's none of that because when there's free money coming from the government, that's why these colleges can charge $80,000 a year for your child to go to college because the government doesn't question what these colleges charge. Look at every university campus. They're, they're building and building and building these, these professors that teach two classes a, a, a semester and, and make, you know, $100,000. So if you got all of the, the federal government and all of this money out of the education system and had true competition, not only through K through 12, but in the colleges as well, you would see college tuition plummet. My sister went to college. I didn't go to college. My sister went to college. She graduated high school in 1968, almost 50 years ago. She went to college. My father, there was no, my sister was a straight-A student, carried five majors in high school, wanted to be a doctor. There was no go to the government for a loan. Her guidance counselor showed her where to go to find a job and tuition for my sister to go to school back then was $600 a year. It was a, it was a college. It wasn't a community college. It was a college, a four-year teacher's college. $600 a year it cost her to go to school. Why? Because the government back then was not writing checks for kids to go to college. So I believe that you need to get all of this fake funding out of it and, you know, uh, that's, I believe competition is the answer. Between all the choices that we have competition, and that includes college as well. So give those parents that $6,000. Save $3,000 per child. Let the, the parents decide what they want to do with that money to educate their children. And, and incentivize these, 
institutions of education, which I don't consider them institutions of, uh, they're institutions, but not of education, and, you know, and, and let there be competition between these, these choices. And I think you're going to see a much better product. So that's that. Well, I believe in the free market, and I, I think competition is uh, something that they need. It's something that they're lacking. And, you uh-huh. know, the, teacher, the teachers having tenure and the protections and everything, but good God, you can't give people an, an EBT card with money on it that there's not fraud involved in that. Well, there, there, I mean, there's fraud involved in it because our federal government runs it, and they're incompetent. Privatize it. You know, I mean, the government is incompetent to run any kind of program. The VA, everything they touch, everything they touch, you know, the war on drugs, the war on poverty, the war on terror. We have more drug use today since the government has implemented their war on drugs. We have more poverty today since they implemented their war on poverty, and we have more terrorism today in our country since they implemented the war on terrorism. I mean, they are disgraceful. If they were a business, they would have been closed down years ago. Federal government is a disgrace, and it's it's got its hands and its fingers into policies and programs that has no constitutional right to do. So, you know, I'm all for take the VA out of the government, take it all out of the government. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's the only way anything will ever run right. And these programs are filled with fraud because there's no monitoring of anything that goes on. It's, it's just, think about it. If this was your business, if, if this was your, see, I'm a county commissioner. And when, when we can't balance the budget, what's the first thing they do? Raise taxes. We don't cut anything, although I try, believe me. But it's like, it's like the sacred cow. You use the word cut money from the schools or cut money from this. Oh, my God. You think I asked them to hang their children up by the nearest tree. Yeah. But when, it, when, it, when, it, when a government agency doesn't have enough money to do what it thinks it needs to do, what do they do? They raise taxes. If you're Mm -hmm. a business owner, if you're a business owner, and you don't have enough money to run your business, what do you do? Cut staff. Right. You cut employees, you cut back, you cut expenses, you run more efficiently, you find better economic, more economical ways to run your business, blah, blah, blah. That's the difference. The federal government doesn't have to worry about things. They just keep spending your money and spending your money, and they can be inefficient, which they are in everything they do, totally inefficient in everything they do, and when they can't balance their budget, they just hit the taxpayer for more money. Well, a business can't do that. Okay, There are too so. many fingers in the pie. There are too many fingers in the pie. When you've got the government charging Five hundred dollars for a hammer, right? You know, I mean, you know, it's inefficient, inefficient, and they're spending other people's money. It's so easy to spend other people's money, and that—that's the difference between you know 
the capitalist free market system, and the government. Of course it is. Of course it is. I mean, yep. you've got, you know, your and lining their own pockets with your money, uh-huh. you know, and they don't care. You know, I mean, what do they care? They've got their free health insurance. They've got cancer. Well. They don't care how you live. You've got Maxine Waters with a $4 million house living off the backs of her constituents. You know, what does she care? You know, this is why people are living off of, out of cardboard boxes. You've got veterans, veterans, which is a disgrace. You know, and, and it is so true. It is so, it, it's so disgusting. It, it just, oh, God. Yeah, I worked for the government for eight years. I worked for the VA. I saw the health care system. Barbara. Right. Yeah, she's yeah. going in and out. Yeah, you're going in and out real bad. We can't Thank hear you. you. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I worked for the government. I saw this health care system up close and personal and socialized medicine. And I heard these patients talk about it and how they waited for months and months and months to see a doctor and what a disgrace it was, you know, and, and it just, and it is such a disgrace. Yeah. Well, well, you know, if we allow the government to run our health care, they, they not only control our life, they control our death as well. And that's that's a point that, you know, people need to understand. And, again, I just, I just swing it right on back again. Everything the government runs, it destroys. So... You know, and, and I feel that way about education. So, again. Well, here's, in closing, here, here's my question, okay? And and for those of, that have tuned in to listen to this, this isn't the end all on this topic. We're going to keep, we're, we're going to keep coming back to this because I think this is just absolutely one of the most important things that we as citizens, parents, grandparents uh, can do is to protect this next generation. So, Karen, for those that are gung-ho, that really want to start making a difference. What are the first steps that somebody can do? So tomorrow, what's what's a couple of steps people can do to start making their voices heard? Well, I, I guess <laughs> the the pro. Well, I think it's just educating yourself, knowing if you have children in the school system. Sit down with your children every day when they come home from school and and find out, you know, what are they learning? What are they being taught in school every day and be involved? The the problem is at this point, the control of education is at the federal level. You know, the teachers, the superintendents, the principals, the governors, they all bow to the feet of the U.S. Department of Education. But that's because they take that federal money. If they didn't take the federal money, they wouldn't have to do it. Right, right. And I'll tell you one thing, and and I'm going to say this, and you can all, whatever. There is only one candidate running for governor right now in the state of Tennessee that will ever stand up to the federal government, and that's Mae Beavers. (laughs) And I've known, and I have known this woman. Why are you laughing? Oh, because she 
she doesn't. She's not even going to come in third in this race. She's she's well, in she a truck. She won't come. She won't. So so again, you see, she won't come in third. People win elections because people vote for them. That's true. People win elections. People win elections because people who believe in a candidate get off their ass and do something about it sure. to help them get elected. So, you know, if you think that Bill Lee or or Randy Boyd is going to or Beth Harwell or so far you're Diane not giving Black me any good so gonna, far no good names. Do you really do you really think that any one of them would? Stand up to the federal government and tell them to take a hike. No, but neither will May. No, neither will May. Unfortunately, there's. there's I don't. I don't. Yeah. She, I don't believe that. I mean, I've seen her. I've seen her do it. And you know, she's done I, it on the state level. She's done some sound bites, but I'm going to tell you, and I know that I, I deal in politics every day, and I'm going to tell you, there's an ad campaign that's about to come out, that's about to huh. take her take her record. And you can't can't dispute this record. And by the way, for the record, for everybody listening, anybody that's running for governor right now, I don't like none of them. Okay, so I'm going on the record of saying that the person I want to run for governor hasn't gotten in the race yet, but I will be glad if he decides to do it. Anyway, uh, there's an ad campaign about to hit May that she's going to have she's going to have a problem explaining some things. She's going to mm-hmm. have a big problem explaining some things. And so far, the ad buy is $5 million. And the one area where she has to do well, I mean, she has to come out of the gate doing well, is East Tennessee. If she can't come up in that first congressional district and do well, she's toast. And they are laying the groundwork. And the, the groundwork's being laid right now that they're going to hammer. They're going to hammer her. She's going to get hammered. And... Uh, Diane Black is going to get hammered up here, and got it. So. You have to have. Who if you who, who bought the ad? If you don't, I'm I sorry. Can't, I can't stand Diane Black. Who wrote the ad? No, who bought it? None of us like Diane Black. Oh, well, I can tell you. I can tell you who's made the first two ad buys. Boyd has made one, and Diane Black's made one. Diane's is worth five million dollars. And that's the first one. She's got a second one that's coming right behind it. Uh, as far as Lee goes, Lee's a non-factor. I mean, he'll do well. See, here's the thing, and and this is um, this is it. And I'm sorry for laughing about maybe, but I shouldn't have done that. But here's the thing: you've got three Middle Tennessee people that have decided to run. Middle Tennessee does not swing an election. Okay. Right. May, May Beavers is going to. May Beavers is going to do okay in Middle Tennessee. She'll carry she'll carry part of her district. She's not going to carry it all. She never does. She does not do well in most of her district. She gets enough votes to get reelected, but she's not she's not well liked in her district. She knows that. Um, used to live in her district, so I can attest to that. Um, Bill Lee is going to do very well in Middle Tennessee. In East Tennessee, you've got uh, Pay White. We're not even going to talk about that individual. <laughs> I'll laugh at that one. I'll I, laugh at that one. Yeah. I, I know her. I, can't even I, I have I have, z- I have zero use for KY. She's a Democrat, and um, she yeah she's a Democrat running mm-hmm. as a Republican. Mm-hmm. If she mm-hmm. I I will tell you this I know for a fact 
that if she officially files paperwork, which she has not done, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, she don't have to yet, but if she officially files paperwork, the minute she files and her her petition has been certified as having enough votes or enough uh, signatures, she will immediately be, her bona fides will be challenged immediately. There are three people waiting to challenge her bona fides. She cannot pass a bona fide test with the Republican Party. She cannot. So she's not even going to be mm-hmm. on the ballot. She's not even worth talking about. The, right. the, the, three, the three that are going to be a problem, the three that look at now, if you take all the numbers, you take everything, the one that has the immediate advantage is Diane Black, just because of money. Her name ID in East Tennessee is just about like Mae Beavers. Nobody knows who she is. Um, Randy Boyd, everybody knows who he is. Uh, Bill Lee, nobody cares. They just they automatically don't like him. Uh, he was up here. Um, he was up here at the big fair. There's a great big fair up here, the Appalachian Fair, and he come up here. Diane come up here. A couple others come up here, and none of them were well received. None of them. And if May wants to, I, I will give you one thing to tell May Beavers if you interact with her campaign at all. Okay, the last three or four events mm-hmm. she's been to where she's spoken, she is not comfortable. Okay, she is not doing well at all in presentation. She's doing very poorly in presentation. I, she, I heard that too from Lisa Moore. Uh, she uh, went to a TEA thing. She's got to get that down pat because if she doesn't appear comfortable and she doesn't appear like she wants to be there having that conversation, especially in East Tennessee, she's not going to get the votes. And she's got to have the first district, the second district, and a good chunk of the third. She has to do well here. If she does not do well here, East Tennessee determines the election, okay? Mm -hmm. When it comes to Republicans, East Tennessee's it. If you can do well in Knoxville, you're going to be in great shape. And I'm going to tell you right now, she better have... Who is in charge of her campaign? Stephen Sebastian. Well, at least it ain't that. What's I t- that? I tell you what. Let me let me hang on. I don't want some of this on the recording, so let me let me let me close it out, and then we'll come back to this because there's some players behind the scenes that are going to be real interesting for y'all. We want to thank everybody for tuning in at Political Straight Talk. We want to thank everybody that simulcast over on Ragtag Radio. We do Political Straight Talk every Friday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. We do Ragtag Radio every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. I think. Is that right, Barbara? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Remember, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Freedom isn't free. Thank a soldier for without them. <laughs> we wouldn't be able to do what we do. What's oh, so funny, Tammy? That was me. That was Karen. <laughs> oh. I like that you're or you're stand for anything or you'll fall for anything. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Right. Freedom isn't free. Thank a soldier to mess me up. I, I usually do this in one fell swoop, and y'all done mess me up. Thank you. <laughs> Thank the family of the soldiers, for without them, we wouldn't have an all-volunteer army. On behalf of Political Straight Talk and Ragtag Radio, I am the Political Superman saying, have a good night, everybody. All right, Barbara, kill the recording. Call I, recording has been completed. Don't say nothing yet, because there's still another one that has to be killed. This one, this one's on me. I'm gonna have to go back and edit this out. Because for some reason, my computers, one of my computers crashed today, and so I've been using the backup uh-huh. computer 
that the kids were on. So you can imagine Uh-oh. what I have went through to <laughs> deal with. This is the kids' computer, so I had to update so many things and blah, blah, blah. So give me about 30 seconds here, and we'll kill this recording. We can and talk you Signing in, and I'm like, are you going to start the call? <laughs> well, I was already in, but I, Karen was on such a roll, I didn't want to interrupt her. Well, and I didn't, you know, and I've never been on this. I didn't even know what it was. I just thought it was a bunch of people on a call talking. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know what to expect, so I apologize. I thought you had been on here once before. No, no. I would, but I, I apologize I for... <laughs> No, I hated to interrupt you too, and I kept I kept texting Fabian. I said, "Do I I start recording?" <laughs> I and I, like I said, I I had no idea that it was an actual broadcast. I thought it was just you know a bunch of people on a call, and we start chatting. And I thought that was that was it. So again, I apologize for delaying the the start of your call. You you did no, no. you didn't do anything. This is a normal listen. This is normal. <laughs> this is how it goes. We get in here and get to yapping, and then somebody forgets to hit the record button, and next thing okay. you know, we're running. We're running late, so it's it's no big deal. If we're simulcast with somebody else outside of these, we control both of these calls, so it's not such a big deal. It would have been a big deal had we been recording with somebody else, and I still can't right. get this recording shut off. So I will just I'll just go in and edit this out. I don't know why. It's yeah, I just, I mean, I, I met, I was at an event that May Beavers was at in Lenore City uh, last week. And, you know, she, it was very well received. I thought she did a very good job. I met Steve Sebastian for the first time. And there probably was, was over 100 people there. Wow. She's and uh, <laughs> Steve Sebastian. Shit. Well, what's he yeah. I'm I'm curious if he's that young man that I saw at the women's empowerment meeting in Murfreesboro. I think he's is he from East Tennessee? I he, think he's he from is. East Tennessee. He is. Yes. And yes. and he and uh, he's I decent. personally wasn't impressed. <laughs> he's decent. He's just not good. And and I I hate to say that, but yeah. but he no, I, I Go ahead. I had a, a short conversation with him and when I Got in the car with my husband. I said, "Yeah, I'm sorry." I said, "But I don't get a good feeling about this guy at all." Well, so, May May that doesn't. That was just my first. Mm-hmm. May doesn't have a lot of money. Okay. I know she doesn't. She does I not know. have a lot of money. That that's her first problem. Her her second problem is she's got to overcome some of the early stuff that she did in the legislature, and she's listen. I I don't wish her. I don't wish her any harm. I'm just going to tell you from a political perspective, as a political scientist, I'm going to tell you right now, she will be lucky to come in fourth. And that's without two more names jumping in this race. If if one, mm-hmm. even one of the two names jump in this race that's going to jump in, it's going to shake things up a bit. I don't think it changes yeah. the top two. I don't, I don't think it changes the top two much unless he really just gets out there and does something. So, you know, I've not been able to log into my computer. Well, I'll tell you why I haven't been able to log in. Remember, I'm on the kids' computer. And guess what I have on the kids' computer? I have timers (laughs) that shut the Internet access off. 
So, your your broadcast on one of the places ended early. <laughs> yeah, it just means I won't have to. It just means I won't have to go edit it. Thank goodness. Right. Editing it doesn't really. I mean, it doesn't take that long once you once you're used to doing it. It doesn't take that long. It's, well, the, the thing with Randy Boyd, I mean, first of all, he's got the La Raza issue. Oh, second yeah. of all, second of all, second of all, you know, the man, he's never been an elected politician, but he is deeply ingrained in politics. I mean, you don't, you don't get a new... Well, huh? you don't quit. You don't quit. I, my problem with him is he quit. I just, I, I don't like quitters. What do you mean he quit? So, uh, you, I, I'll have to explain he it quit. off of here. But but he was involved in some stuff, and he just walked away from it. Got people out there, and then just walked away. Well, right. this call is just not going to end the recording because I can't seem to log in for some reason. That yeah. it keeps kicking me out, telling me I can't log in to my own dang call. I mean, it lets me log in, but it won't let me pull up the thing to stop the recording. So, hmm. oh well, we shall continue the conversation, and I'll just edit. So, have you any more numbers, Fabian, as far as the um, charter schools? What was that? 